0: Hello there, C Note Shadow here, and uh, we're going to find out what that means in a second. But before we get into the podcast, as per usual, first of all, if this is your second or third time listening to the podcast, please like and subscribe. And if you get an opportunity to leave a rating and review, that would be a big help to the podcast. That would be really amazing, as I want to be able to help other INTPs to be able to share more of my story. And to feel like I'm doing something. (laughs) So if you have been getting some sort of value or have learned something from this podcast, please take a few moments to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. That would be a major help to me. And secondly, if you're looking to get yourself involved in audiobooks and and you haven't given it a try, go to slash dopamine, D O P E A M I N E, and give it a go. And um, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the shadow experience of an INTP, awakening that ENTJ side, or pushing it back should you need to, uh, because that's something I've recently experienced. And. Frankly, it's a little terrifying, and so I'm going to talk about it uh, in uh, some sort of a way. Now, for the record, before we get into the podcast, I am in my car, I am at the public market outside of my studio space, So, and it's the winter, so I have to leave my car on. I'm actually going to turn on the heat, so that at least the sound's consistent, and making sure that I don't freeze, um, because it is cold, it's 16 degrees outside, and I just I, I need what I need, and so... I will talk a little bit closer to the phone, and we'll see how this goes. So, without further ado, again, audibletrial.com slash dopamine. There are all sorts of books about shadow. Uh, you can l- watch or listen to Carl Jung's Psychological Types. Uh, there's a lot of great books centered around uh, the shadow self. There's a lot of Alan Watts uh, talks and things like that. But what I find most interesting, and there's nothing necessarily specific on audible around john bb but we're going to be talking about some of john bb's shadow function archetypes a little bit maybe not in specificity i'm not going to be talking about it in like a informational way i'm going to be talking about it relative to literally the experience i have last night and the state that i am currently in right now and you might be able to hear the directness and abrasiveness in my voice that is the entj in entj shadow of an intp coming out, but there's some other interesting things related to it that I think will be worth listening to if you're an INTP listening to this podcast or no an INTP. So without further ado, let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. Alright, C-Note here. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Mr. Christian Rivera. And uh, just to let you know that I am also here. This is not like a duality thing. This is not about um, conscious and unconscious. This is actually some elements of integrating shadow stuff. So I'm very aware of the shadow things that are happening right now. I wasn't aware for a little while there, and there were some things. And I'm going to talk about some of those things. But, um, now that I'm aware, I'm feeling like I can kind of use some of that energy as propellant in a way. And that's why I am out. I am in my car. I am doing this podcast. I am doing the things I'm going to go into my studio and do some work and, you know, kind of, kind of use some of the fuel as it were. So what's the story here? What happened? So last night I had Probably one of the most terrifying dreams I've ever had in my life. And by the end of it, I ended with one of the greatest feelings of elation I've ever experienced in my life. So that's very confusing. Uh, But that's kind of life in a sense. Light and dark, there's always a contrast of some kind. So if you're feeling really good, there's an underlying shadow underneath it. If you're feeling really terrible, there's an underlying light. Uh, and that gets into other stuff that maybe will get addressed in some other podcasts, but uh, we've been watching this show uh, to describe the framework of the, of the dream. The, we've been watching this show called kindred spirits. It's a, a ghost investigation show. And we think it's kind of interesting. Cause like, I don't necessarily, I, I don't know if I believe in ghosts or not. It's not really something about belief in my mind. I'm just sort of an in, uh, interested in, people's experiences around investigating this stuff or people's experiences with this stuff uh, more in a depth depth psychology kind of way. So I think of it in that in those terms. And what I like about the show is that it's very people oriented. It's not just about rummaging through a warehouse and it's like, oh, I heard a clicking, right? (laughs) It's more about like, what are the people experiencing? Who do they think it is? Um, why is there maybe a disturbance in the house? Is it maybe a person in some other realm or some other, whatever? Uh, some of it is the interesting technology. Some of it is the interesting, um, the the interesting stories some of it is historical stories there are some interesting uh, connections to property and people and things like that uh, ownership and then also this idea of letting go in terms of your consciousness so there's a lot of depth psychology stuff that I come from when I watch that stuff and I think this show does the best in terms of making it feel human and I think that's why I really appreciate it so we watch Kindred Spirits the thing is though that I am if I'm going to, if I'm in this shadow space, that sort of shadowy stuff and dealing with that sort of, uh, content can be not great (laughs) for my brain. So uh, it's kind of like a little kid watching scary things, right? And then you have bad dreams as a result. And I don't usually have nightmares. I don't usually experience anything that's going to be, uh, I don't, the last time I don't, I've had nightmares before, but I've never had a nightmare that like shook me to my core. And so this one shook me to my core. And so what happened was, I had this dream as if we were moving from one place to the other. I don't know who we is. I, I saw my mom in the dream, and there was a lot of bags moving into this new place. We had just moved from a previous place because there was a lot of um, kind of haunting paranormal activity happening. I don't know the details. I know that I could feel it in my body. There was basically something feeling like it was attached to me or following me. And so we went to this new place that was, I think my SI referenced it partially as a place that I used to live in when I was maybe six to 10 years old, uh, in Philadelphia. And it's like this duplex kind of place, this little like home, as it were, not a duplex, it was a home, And we lived on the second floor, and so I recall being able to go up to the second floor, but once we got in, it was more of like an office building, which was strange as well. And it wasn't it was three levels, but it wasn't like three floors. It wasn't uh like you can elevate take an elevator up to three floors. It was more of like level, ramp, level, ramp, level, that kind of thing, almost like a video game going left to right. And so I remember each section having a different purpose, but I don't remember what those purposes were. And they were distinctly different. And I remember wandering through the place and as there were people there, I felt fine. But once everybody left, I started to feel the force kind of take over me again. And it started to come from like the left side of my body. It started to come from my hands and like literally the left side of my body and brain. It almost felt like what I imagine a stroke would feel like. And you know maybe there's (laughs) maybe that's a maybe there's a sign there i should probably go get checked out but and kind of felt like there was something trying to uh, i don't know if there was something trying to enter or possess me from that sort of direction but it felt like there was some sort of feeling coming from that direction and i would get this like tinge this knowing this this uh sixth sense as it were almost like i'm you know there there are theories or there are um hypotheses rather and uh some instruments have captured that the heart creates an electric electromagnetic field i don't know if it's electromagnetic but it's an ef field um that can extend up to five feet so you can feel you know when you get close to a person you can kind of get a feeling about them based on like the contents of how their heart is feeling um and the heart has a lot of information, right? The brain interprets what the heart is feeling, but the heart can feel scared or attacked or uh, any level of emotions or have a deep hurt within someone's heart. And if you're really attuned to that field, uh, I know Enneagram fours are typically very attuned to that field kind of naturally. But if you get attuned to that field, you can feel someone, you can feel a, some sort of presence or essence from somebody um, and I'm not saying that with absolute certainty, but I know that's relative to some metrics that have been taken. That's all I'm saying. And I know for myself and my own experience that I, you can definitely get feelings from people, right? And I, th- I don't think that's a surprise. I th- people get gut feelings from people. And so in this case, in this dream, it was like kind of a visceral gut feeling. It was this like intensity. And so... I don't remember a lot of details it's sort of like fast forward to this situation where we're in this gym or this chapel kind of area and there were bleachers and people were sitting sporadically on bleachers it was maybe like 5 to 10 people sitting on these bleachers and i remember this what the the situation of the room was was to get someone to perform some sort of ritual or exorcism it wasn't it wasn't specifically about like a specific type of religions exorcism. Um, but I remember looking at someone and calling upon them and we were basically trying to get a read as to like who can do this sort of thing or like what we should do next about it. And then I looked at someone up into my right who was in the bleachers. I don't recognize the person. They were sort of, they were wearing a hat, um, a flannel shirt, uh, and uh, like green pants, like chinos. And they were kind of maybe Mexican or Native American, that sort of skin tone. And they pointed behind me, like above me and behind me. And so I turned around in the dream and I looked into the corner and I see this face, this person through like reflecting on a shiny surface in the corner of the room, looking at me, like piercing through me and pointing at me as if to say, you know, it's not me. You do not need to extract me. You need to deal with you. And it was terrifying <laughs> in terms of the visceral sensation. I did not interpret that until later, but the feeling was that I looked and I was immediately terrified and I woke up and I woke up from the dream and I felt My chemical change in my body and I felt a flight response. I felt this feeling of both flight and freeze at the same time which is kind of strange. I felt like I wanted to get up and run out of the apartment Um, but then I also felt terrified. Like my mattress, like we we have this day bed that we sleep on sometimes in the living room and it has a trundle bed on the floor and I was sleeping on the trundle bed because our, our bedroom bed is not very comfortable. It's too too rigid and it's hard to sleep on so uh, the trundle bed was what I was sleeping on and it felt like I was on this island that I couldn't leave I once I was I was just still feeling the terror of the imagery in my mind and the imagery was basically this woman who had very sharp features um, almost witch-like in look but not quite uh, there was like a green and bluish hue, kind of like the colors of the Seattle Seahawks, but without the white, those two colors. And, uh, that's like court of, uh, sort of red and green, like almost foresty kind of darker red and, uh, green and blue. And if I could put the image in your mind, cause I don't, I don't want to put it in totality. It's a little terrifying, but, uh, it kind of made me think of Medusa, that kind of image. And so I'm laying in bed and I'm what, on what feels like this terrifying space. Like I can't leave. This is my safe space. I want to run out the door. Uh, but I'm like laying in bed and I'm like, I hope I don't have to pee. Cause I don't want to get up. Uh, and it's the middle of the night, 3am Molly is sleeping. I don't want to wake her up. Uh, I feel noises and creaks in our apartment building not as if there's something external I know that there's not something external but our our building is changing shape because the pressure was changing last night Uh, so we live in Rochester New York and the jet stream comes through and you can feel that there's usually high winds that come through when there's a pressure change and you know that you're dealing with the jet stream and so we were in the middle of the jet stream transition this pressure change last night and so All of the the boards in our wooden apartment was creaking on the floor and you can hear things creaking in the next door neighbor's uh, apartment and just like all these little things. And now I personally felt like my energy internally was very heightened and big. So I, I tried to calm myself down and I sort of imagined a field of energy. I imagined that I was surrounded by a field of energy that was mine. It was coming from me and expanding outward. And not as if I was causing all the creaks and stuff like that. I'm not thinking necessarily in those terms. But that I'm extending my imagination to those things and I could assign myself to that. So I I, I tried to calm myself down and bring that energy back onto my body and basically kind of coat my body with that energy. If you've ever watched Dragon Ball and you see that the way that Goku uses Super Saiyan Blue, it's sort of a focused use of their ki energy. That's kind of what that feels like. It's like, I'm trying to bring this explosive frightened energy into this sort of protective layer around my body. And so that's like my thought process. This is sort of me trying to think about how to deal with whatever it is that I just experienced. And so I start to, as I, I'm still tired, it's 3am and as I start to lay there and I try to think about something else. And as I start to think about something else, the image just keeps popping into whatever scenario I conjure up. So I tried to deliberately go into an SI space, an introverted sensing space, which is more of a meditative space of like the back of the mind that connects the spine to uh, your body that connects your brain to your body. And that's usually when I go to a deliberate meditative space, that's kind of the physical point of my body that I focus on. So I started to focus on that a little bit. And the image was like super easy to conjure back up. And when I conjure the image back up, I start to feel that sensation again from the left side of my body going to the right side of my body. And this is not a feeling I've ever felt. And it's, it's not a pain or anything like that. It's more of like a relief kind of feeling. It's more of a, uh, if, if I didn't, if I thought too much about it, it started to feel like, wait, is this something trying to possess me or take over me or something like that? Because there's a, like, it almost feels too good. Right. <laughs> um, it started to feel a little like orgasmic or like a sense of relief when you, you eat something you haven't eaten for a long time or when your body needs nutrients and you eat a uh, strawberry and your body's just like, Oh my God, this feels so good. Just this like sensation going from left to right. Or like a sense of relief when you're experiencing something scary and then You get out of it and you're like laughing because you're like, I survived the experience. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's kind of what I was feeling is like this, as I was facing this image and I was starting to assess that, okay, this is, this is me. This is a thing in my mind. This is perhaps my unconscious. And I just got done listening to John Beebe's eight function model. I'm already familiar with the eight function model that he talks about and, and refers to Um, each of the functions as an archetype within us and the role that those archetypes play. There's all sorts of great articles. I recommend, if you look up Psychology Junkie, my friend Susan Storm, she did an article in 2017 about it. I think that's a really great introductory article to what the eight-function archetype model is. So if you need that as reference, I suggest going there because it's not something I necessarily want to go through in detail right now. Um, And so for an INTP that shadow self he refers to the shadow self as the four inferior functions right so te extroverted thinking ni introverted intuition se extroverted sensing and fi introverted feeling would be your four functions and so an opposing archetype for the intp and shadow would be an entj and so john Beebe also says that the opposing archetype or the shadow self manifests, typically manifests in dreams. Carl Jung talks about your shadow manifesting in dreams as the opposite gender. And so I know it's more complex as there's like gender identities, but I think it's relational to, um, gender energies, you know, like masculinity or femininity or the, the gender to which you were born. Um, I don't, that gets into nuanced territory that I am not familiar with. I just want to cover that base in case that that distracts you from what I'm saying. Uh, And and I don't don't have an answer necessarily to that, but I'm aware that it's not necessarily a binary. Um, So I got derailed by even making that derailment uh, disclaimer. (laughs) Um, So basically saying that this ENTJ shadow will manifest in a dream as a female. And that's essentially what happened, even though it was showing up as an apparition because the setting of the dream was kind of like a paranormal investigation or like a possession, right? So it's not necessarily saying that if you ever go through this or you experience it, that it will show up in that way for you. It just happened to do that for me as like the setting was the conduit, right? It was like almost like the NI theme that showed up for me was this paranormal investigation. It was this world, this dream world in a way. So that's how it manifested for me and showed up. And so the more that I was able to think about it when I was laying in bed and trying to understand what was happening, the more I understood and made conscious awareness of what was happening, the less scary it became. And the more I felt that sensation going from left to right of relief and frankly, pure bliss. Once I got through this feeling and I started to think about, first of all, I was terrified initially because I've heard so many times about people talking about doing shadow work and how it can be a genuinely terrifying experience to face your unconscious shadow self. And to try to make that unconscious conscious, that's really difficult and scary and terrifying because it's it's the raw human part of us. And we spend so much time in our lives trying to create... Man, you got to get your brakes fixed, dude. Um, squeaking. Uh, I heard some squeaking. I don't know if that came up in the recording, but, um, I got distracted by that. Uh, there is, uh, Oh, where was I? Oh no, I was on a roll. <laughs> uh, it should try to make this conscious, unconscious, self-conscious because it's the scary primal part of ourselves. It's the part that just wants to get what we want to get and by whatever means necessary. And the eight function model basically just defines the way that the shadow version of ourselves show up. If the conscious version of ourselves as an INTP is using introverted thinking and extroverted intuition, and is typically more individualistic and in flow, uh, in terms of pattern recognition and going into the outside world and letting things happen, the shadow self is more trying to be in control and trying to create a specific destiny and maybe indulging in that extroverted sensing and Uh, getting into a trickster space with that extroverted sensing, which is the seventh function archetype and convincing us that we need to do something immediately right now. That's going to get instant results, but we have zero aptitude in being able to do that. So it's just keeping ourselves busy and distracted and driving us further down into our unconscious. And so as the ENTJ shadow kind of shows up, I'm sort of having this, I'm trying to investigate it at this point. I'm trying to understand like, okay, what is this trying to tell me at this point? What am, what is happening in my life that this thing just shows up? Because how I felt, even though it was in the framework of of a, uh, investigation, it's probably the closest I felt to understanding what the idea of a possession might feel like, like it's from the research I've done, you know, an INTP gets into the space either by deliberate growth work or by extreme stress. And I think it's a little bit of both for me. I'm definitely in an extreme stress state because second winter is very difficult. I don't like to go anywhere. I get stuck inside. And, um, with the way that our lives are scheduled with the kids and my sleep schedule is kind of messed up right now. I don't have a lot of time for myself. or I'm not giving myself time for myself to do introverted thinking things, to do extroverted intuition things to record podcasts when I want to record them because Molly's at home more often and, um, she brings a lot of TE energy and she's brings a lot of extroverted energy and, uh, the kids do as well. And I'm not blaming, I'm just saying that these are the factors. And so I'm very overwhelmed time-wise. And so if, if I go down each function, I can basically define how I've been extremely stressed and how that's starting to devolve me. And so, uh, the extroverted thinking side is trying to, trying to unconsciously take control of the situation by starting to be controlling of the people around me in a little, in, in a way and starting to be a little bit more direct and brash and kind of just letting Molly do things for me, even though I'm not necessarily doing it for the means of taking my individuality. Cause I'm not taking my individuality. I'm just introverted sensing playing games on my phone or just doing work or just kind of letting her energy guide me right and that's the challenge is I've kind of just let a lot of extroverted thinking is trying to create systems so that things just automatically happen and I almost did that too much and things are automatically happening and it doesn't feel good at all and so I need to take a drink my heart's feeling heavy talking about this okay And so that extroverted thinking is, is overstructured right now. I am over, I'm overstructured. I'm relying too much on external time. I'm, I'm not taking control of my time and I'm kind of at the whims of, of being used as a resource, like kind of too much, a thinking resource. And so there were a couple things that were stressing me out recently that I haven't really talked to Molly about, but I probably should, um, is there were a couple instances where I wanted to take control of time, but then she would add something to what she was doing, like more self-preservation needs thing that she needed to do. And um, I have to like open a window. I'm like getting hot and dizzy (laughs) the more I talk about this. So I'm going to slow down. All right. So let me regroup on that. This extroverted thinking side... Is letting, is is letting external time and external resources and external whatever take over? Because right now the big picture stress, which gets into the Ni stuff, the introverted intuition stuff, the big chip picture stress right now is that. Um, all right, I can close the window again. <clears throat> the big picture stress right now is is money. I'm having a hard time envisioning a future for myself. Of what things actually look like and how to get there. Not just of uh, uh, casting a vision, but like specifically the path to it. That's sort of like what NI can sort of instantly awaken is this idea of knowing what I want to do and where I want to go. Like seeing a path. I don't necessarily have to walk the path, just being able to see the path. And I'm stressed because I can't see a path. And I'm trying to see a path. I'm trying too hard to see a path, frankly. I'm trying to use this shadow function to make something happen. And this is often common in INTPs who are struggling with productivity. That's why I made a productivity master quest and course about it because it's a common stress, but it's happening to such a stream, such such an extreme and in a micro way that is causing all sorts of stress for me and myself. And then the extroverted sensing side is trying to get instant gratification and trying to distract myself with, with bodily pleasures or trying to distract myself with um, thinking that if I record the perfect podcast, for example, then a person that's listening to this will be intrigued by what I say and then they're going to buy, you know, 12 people are going to buy my courses and then I'll be good for a couple months, right? And then I don't, And I'll get the instant gratification of like, getting all the money I need right now. And that it's not, you know, right now everything's taking time to build and and get money. Right. And so that's frustrating because I'm wanting to instantly satisfy all of that. And that's the extroverted sensing, uh, trickster part of me right now. And then there's the introverted feeling, uh, Daemon or demon, depending on the context where, uh, it's definitely more in a demon form at the moment where i'm questioning my sense of self-worth because of my inability to achieve what i want to achieve and get things done and and um you know uh, catch up on debt and and to be able to create the vision that i want to create so <clears throat> you can see how that shows up in entj like qualities now not an entj in terms of like a healthy entj this is like the bare minimum of what ENTJ functions would look like, or an ENTJ who is in a very unhealthy state would look like. <clears throat> and so this manifests for an INTP in like an unconscious way and manifested in me in me in that way. And so this is me and analyzing things that I've been doing in the last week or so. And, uh, especially the snowstorm that just recently hit, I feel immobilized. I feel like I can't do what I want to do. I feel like I'm just waiting. And the longer I perpetually wait, the longer I try to use that introverted sensing to just wait until the right moment or the right time. The more that I exhaust my other functions, and frankly, I'm not getting a lot of extroverted feeling because, you know, Molly's an ENFP. The kids are also TJ's and a TJ and FP. There's not extroverted feeling there, and I have to take the responsibility of getting that from where places that I need it right. So that's not their fault. Again, it's not a blaming. It's an awareness that this is something that I need to actively, consciously go towards for myself. So when I revisit now that imagery of the woman, the Medusa-like character who is pointing at me, what I hear her saying to me is, No, you're not going to exercise me. This is not me. I'm trying to save your ass. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get this done because you're not doing it. And if you don't do it, and if I don't do it, then we're going to die. And so if you don't do it, I've got to do it because I'm what's left. And so the T E S E, (laughs) uh, brashness, the bluntness, the blunt force is coming out. Right. And so when I talk about it being a propellant right now, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to ignore this side. I'm not going to cast it out because I don't have the INTP side right now. I need to recharge that. And so I'm going to use some of that energy, but consciously use some of that energy. I'm not handing myself over to it. And that's the growth work. And I think that, um, I'm grateful that I've been doing growth work because I feel prepared to do that. Now, if you try to go too fast, too soon to that consciously, it might take over you. And that's what I mean. when I understanding the idea of, of possession is I don't think possession in terms of the way that you've seen it in horror movies or think about it in ghosts or anything like that is relative to the idea of an external force. I think it's the unconscious depth of our mind being able to take over our conscious mind because our unconscious mind thinks it can do better and more viscerally get what it needs, right? Like the unconscious mind doesn't care about the constructs of society. It doesn't care about following the rules. It doesn't care about maintaining the relationships that we need to maintain. It doesn't care about uh, behaving. It cares about survival. It cares about the unconscious side of us, cares about getting what we need. And the unconscious version of an INTP is that ENTJ. And so it's the blunt like, no, 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 We need to go and do this. We need to get what needs to be done. And so there's a difference between doing that unconsciously and being downright rude or moody or, um, operating as if the world is against you. It's like, it's unconsciously, it's like blaming the external, but consciously it's like an awareness of the internal. And so when the unconscious turns to me and says, points to me, because it's a, it was a pointing uh, motion gesture that they made that my unconscious made to myself to say, this is you, you need to step up. You need to speak for yourself. You need to create the space for yourself. You need to fix your sleep schedule. You need to take control of your time. You have a studio, go to your studio, get out of the house. Stop waiting for Molly to do something. Stop waiting for the schedule with the kids to change. Stop waiting for your client to give you more money or stop waiting for such and such to do something for you. You need to take control and do the thing for yourself. And that's essentially what I mean by taking that shadow motivational propellant and using that as a means to activate myself. So I went to uh, I went to Starbucks and I got myself some breakfast and I have a drink. I'm going to take a drink of my drink. I'm out. I'm in the car doing this podcast. What I want to do, because part of what I really love doing is doing this podcast and getting into a rhythm. And it's really helpful for my extroverted feeling. So part of why I'm doing this podcast also is that extroverted feeling or the anima or animus if you're a female it's the animus which is going to be a male archetype and for men it's going to be a female archetype and I'm speaking in binaries because it's just the way that it's described um, and I apologize if there, if you have a much more complicated experience uh, I can't account for that and so if you're bringing a masculine energy is kind of what I'm trying to say you're anima anima is going to be a feminine archetype and vice versa and so for me that extroverted feeling is the window into the unconscious for everybody Uh, not extroverted feeling but the fourth function the inferior function is the window into the unconscious Right. so it's like if you're top three functions are not doing the job. The fourth function is going to try to do the job. And then when that falters, the unconscious starts to wake up and starts to do its thing. And that's kind of what I've been doing. So the way back is kind of the same thing. The way back is to now I got to express my awareness of this unconscious. I already told Molly about it this morning. I'm talking to you about it now on the podcast episode. And I'm going to be trying to do that. I've got, I had two meetings set up today and I was going to cancel them, but nope, I got to do them. I've got to meet the extroverted feeling need of going to meet up with the people I need to meet up with. They're asking me for advice on podcasting. So I'm going to meet up with them. I'm going to do that. And then I have a meetup tonight at eight thirty with my friend, uh, uh, two friends that are very TI people, two TPs, and we can vibe and talk about TI things and that's going to be really helpful too. And I think I've been denying a lot of extroverted feeling stuff in my life for fear of being too scheduled and rigid. But as a result of not taking control of my experience, the external experience is taking control of me. And so I need to actively take control. So my window back out is through extroverted feeling, through this feeling of expressing myself, talking about what I'm dealing with, talking about my experience, talking about these shadow functions, talking about integrating this and literally listening to music that satisfies the FI part, because the shadow stuff is not necessarily always a bad thing. I don't want to dress it up as like a scary thing. What's scary is when it's unconscious, it's unconscious and then it takes over or is attempting to take over and it's not anything outside. It's you. It's a raw, primal part of your ex- experience and your mind. I've, I've seen articles about INTP Shadow being expressed as, like, the Bruce Banner experience. Bruce Banner as the INTP uh, intellectual, thoughtful person, in, in, inventor, investigator, etc. And then the Hulk side is the ENTJ side that just wants to smash, right? <laughs> and uh, for me, the... As I mentioned, with the shadow side being the opposite uh, archetypal energy, it's a feminine. So the ENTG, ENTJ feminine side shows up as this like Medusa-like character. And now I'm interested in Medusa, and I want to like actually do some research on Medusa. I, I'm vaguely familiar with Medusa. And actually, interestingly enough, Medusa has always stuck out to me as a character that has been really intriguing visually Um, ever since i was a little kid i played the game athena and and medusa is one of the main bosses in that game um it's it's not a very good game but it's something i attached to because it's what i had when i was a little kid so i played it a lot on nintendo on the nes and uh, when I learned about Greek mythology, Medusa really stuck out and there's like a, been a very loose through line with this Medusa character throughout my life. So it's something I want to investigate and get to know the archetype of that caricature and then kind of correlate it and relate it to my experience. And so right now, you know, I'm letting some of that on un- that shadow energy carry me. But consciously, I'm aware that I'm doing this. And so I can use it to fuel myself and not try to blunt force affect the outside world. And that's really, I feel is the difference is focus, bringing the energy inward, focusing on me, using it to say like, okay, we got to do this, 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 and this. Okay, we also need some food. we got to satisfy that extroverted sensing side. We need something to that we're actually going to enjoy. I was going to get a green tea, but I got a refresher thing from Starbucks because I'm like, no, let's, let's enjoy the flavor of this. Um, let's not worry too much about the NI thing. What we can do is just create a vision and share the vision on the podcast. And then through all of that, the FI part will start to get satisfied as well. And so when I'm talking about the archetypes, these archetypes for the shadow self are not, they're not inherently negative. Again, it becomes, it can become negative when it's unconscious. And I think when you, when people are dealing with sort of darker entities in these shows that I was talking about, that may have been a person that is in some other space. I don't know whether or not some liminal space of some kind and their energy, you know, they were maybe in an unconscious state when they passed and that energy doesn't know how to let go and move on, right? I don't know. That's just, you know, kind of fun speculation. (laughs) Um, But there are healthy qualities to these other aspects, but they are support mechanisms very similar to how our third and fourth function can be support mechanisms, right? So there's this introverted thinking can use the supposing force of extroverted thinking, and integrate it right so you're thinking about conceptualizing and theorizing but if you're actually also looking at objective data things that have been proven things that have been tried and tested and um, peer-reviewed and all of that stuff then you integrate that into some of the work that you're doing you're conceptualizing and it makes your hypotheses stronger it makes your work stronger etc and all the way down the line extroverted intuition you integrate into introverted intuition and stuff like that That specific set of integrations is something that I go through in the INTP Empowerment Guide on my website at dopamine.teachable.com. So I highly suggest that you go check that out if this stuff has intrigued you and you're trying to integrate, first of all, knowing the path of development for an INTP, usually first function, second function, sixth function, not necessarily going from one, two, three, four, but one, two, six, That's confusing, (laughs) but the, the, the whole empowerment guide goes through all of that stuff, um, and, uh, integrates that introverted intuition as a result of getting more comfortable with extroverted intuition. And so what I'm needing to do now is getting back into my extroverted intuition via my extroverted feeling, right? My extroverted feeling is needing to express myself. I need to talk. I need to share what I'm feeling, what I'm going through what um, my thoughts are, and to make some sort of positive impact to get some needs met uh, and, and, you know, go to the meeting I have planned today and extrovert some things. And then through that, I think my intuition will start to kick in a little bit more and I can start to reclaim some of my energy, some of my conscious energy that I'd been letting go as a result of trying to let the outside world fix my experience. And I think ultimately that's the trap we fall into for everybody. That's why I've been talking about introspection a lot because introspection is so much about knowing ourselves and being conscious of ourselves because we are being carried away by our unconscious responses all the time. And our unconscious responses are usually related to making the outside world do something, but in terms of, um, the INTP experience with this, you know, you get into introverted sensing, I've talked about it on a video on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dopamine TV, that you get to this, you get to this place of clean slicing your experience with introverted sensing, and that you don't have enough new experiences to clean slice, to create distinctions between, and you start creating distinctions in places that don't need distinctions, and then you just start passively experiencing your life. And that passivity feels like just waiting to die. And then waiting to die awakes the unconscious that is like, I'm not waiting to die. I want to live. I need to eat. I need to get what I need. And then starts to freak out and starts to take over because it's starting to realize like, you're not, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, then I'm here. It's like the Beetlejuice. <laughs> I kind of think of it as Beetlejuice in a way. Um, it's like when you're getting into that introverted sensing place too long, it's like even without introverted thinking, it's just like your unconscious the window to your unconscious opens and the, like Beetlejuice walks through, right? Um I don't know if I've said the name three times. I apologize if that freaks you out. Um, <laughs> uh, so ultimately what I'm trying to get to is like be careful of getting into such passivity or to getting in a situation where you feel like you're waiting to die or waiting to get through an extended period of time. Because the longer you wait and sit in a place, and if you think of this, literally, if you were to lay in your bed and just stay there perpetually, eventually life will start to form around you and everyone else will make choices on your behalf. You won't be able to pay rent. Uh, maybe your family starts to come knocking for you. Maybe your neighbors start coming to knock for you. Um, maybe you get evicted. And then because you're not moving, maybe uh, the police come and get you or maybe some sort of medical team comes and gets you and they cart you around and then you end up in a facility and then, uh, you know, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And even if you were to be able to lay there perpetually until the end of the world, then nature starts to form around you and you know, the building collapses eventually. And you know, there's, there's constant, there's constant movement in the world. Like we think of things as static. You look at, I look at my steering wheel or if you have like a table or something and you're where you are or even your phone, we think of these as solid objects, but there is constantly moving particles atoms etc but even then there's so much space between the atoms if you were to take an atom and blow it up to the size of my car the uh, another atom within the same particle would be uh or i'm not sure if i'm getting the hierarchy right on that but um if you're seeing another atom it would be you know in the next city probably and there's so much space in between there's a lot of negative space there's a lot of empty space in the movement of every molecule and every experience that we're having. And movement is constantly happening. You know, you think about the tecnot- tectonic plates, you think about um, movement at scale with solar systems and spinnings of galaxies and black holes and supernovae and uh, quasars or whatever, right? And to from the massive, massive macro to the tiniest micro, there's constant movement. There's nothing that sits still, but for some reason as a human being, we feel like we have the hubris and the ability to make it stop. Perhaps it's perhaps it's our hubristic nature of thinking of how much we can control nature because we very much are always attempting to control na- nature. But there's a difference between controlling nature and having a contempt for nature, which unfortunately is a major manifestation of the western world. And so if you're living in the western world, Uh, Be careful of this. Be careful. Notice your hubris around thinking that you're above nature, you're above movement, that you are always in control of your situation and that you can just stop and sit still. And I'm not saying that you can't rest. I'm not saying that you can't have moments of, of recharge. What I'm saying is that if you feel like your tactic is to sit and wait then you can only wait so long before your body starts to degrade, before before the things around you start to take control of your experience, before your unconscious starts to say, hey, buddy, no, 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 no. We need to move. And I'm going to find a way to make this happen. And I'm going to start doing that. Because your are unconscious, you, you start to feel like you're trying to fight for what you need in order to stay where you are. But then your unconscious starts to then blame other people around you for not being the way that you want it to be. I hope that makes sense. So ultimately at the end of the day for myself, this was such an intense experience that it turns into a very long podcast. This is an important experience. This to me reflects the importance of consciously getting aware of yourself, noticing your tendencies, And just to notice them and not judge them because I could very easily have looked at the shadow self and said, Oh, that's a demon that's trying to possess me and it's another outside thing that's trying to rule me. But if I'm able to look at it and say like, Oh, okay, that's me telling myself something about myself and I can integrate that and fuel that. In myself and use that as propellant to reclaim my power to reclaim my energy to reclaim my needs then I find nothing more powerful in this world than being able to be aware that the external is not always out to get you and um, you know I could very have easily again use that as another external blame or like some sort of supernatural thing when it's a deeper inner part of my own personal psychology that I am now lucky to be prepared for. And I feel like there is a before and after my life is perpetually changed that this doesn't mean i i I still have to be consciously aware you know i still have to make the choices for myself but this is a major lesson for me especially if i'm going to keep living here going through these heavier winters and i'm going to keep living the life that i want to live and i'm going to keep doing the things that i want to do i have to make choices and i can't just let the world form around me (music) Well, that was fun, wasn't it? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm just like a big laughing fit of relief right now, because that was a lot. Um, And I felt my heart clenching as I was telling all of that. But I think it was important. And um, I hope it's helpful for anyone who is going through something similar, or perhaps he will one day. And, um, you know, hopefully the advice helped you out. So... To wrap all of this up, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a fan and friend of the podcast. Again, if you want to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be a big help. I'm actually really kind of demanding it. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, it really, really helps. I want to also know your shared authentic experience. So I talked about the extroverted feeling being a window back into my consciousness. That means I need some feedback. I need to know that what I'm doing is actually helping someone. That actually makes sense that actually is um, interesting and insightful. So whether you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment, but also go to Apple Podcasts because that's going to have a greater impact on the scalability of the podcast. For it to reach more people, to get better reach on on Google search and things like that, that would be really, really helpful. So I'm asking you consciously, my TE uh, opposing force is Demanding, please go do that. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then consider uh, this. This part is not a forceful thing. This is something you can consider. That if you are an INTP who is looking for focused, deliberate growth, helpful insights, that I suggest that you go to dopamine.teachable.com, d-o-p-e-a-m-i-n-e, and check out one of these three courses. If you're needing help with productivity, we have the Productivity Master Quest about outputting your theories and uh, imaginative machinations, all the things that you want to actually do to actually use deadlines to your advantage. And then we've got the INTP empowerment guide, which is what I talked about in this podcast, where learning to integrate some of those shadow functions in a healthy way. And also what is the order of development for each function and not just, and also just going through all of the, the main dominant functions for INTPs as well sharing more personal stories um, and talking about energies as well, how to integrate some combinations of energies. And then the last one is called cosmic calibration, which is about uh, a depth into, uh, into understanding your introverted thinking to better understand the difference between what is introverted thinking and extroverted feeling to then awaken your intuition. So if you have not yet felt comfortable with your intuition and you want to awaken that, that cosmic calibration is really about awakening your intuition as an INTP. So I highly suggest you check that out as well. Those are the top three. There's other things on there, but, um, if, if, you know, if there's not something for you yet, that's fine. You're welcome to keep listening to the podcast. Please subscribe, like all of that fun stuff. And we also have other videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash dopamine TV. Um, you know, and the algorithm rewards rabbit holing. So keep clicking keep watching keep checking it out like subscribe all that fun stuff and i appreciate you so very much thank you for listening all the way through to the end of this means a lot that you would be interested and curious about my story and um and all of that stuff so go out into the world go do something don't just sit and wait to die (laughs) go get something delicious go somewhere new walk around the corner go in a different place um just be ridiculous. Have fun. Enjoy your life. Live your life and do your damn best. I love you. Take care of yourself and uh, I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya.